Siyah Tavuks Welcome to the Dior Talks podcast series themed around the 7th edition of Dior Lady Art and hosted by Paris-based journalist Katia Foreman. For this year's event, 11 artists from around the world have participated in a game of metamorphosis by rendering the iconic Lady Dior handbag as a unique piece of art. On this latest episode of the Dual Talks podcast series themed around the seventh edition of Dual Lady Art, we exchange with Brooklyn-based Canadian artist Sarah Swinar. The artist for this project set out to revisit the iconic Lady Dior bag using images that also capture symbols or icons. Mixing images sourced from museum archives and art history books with random stock photos depicting things like birds, snakes and lips. Exploring the visual politics of popular images, how they infiltrate our consciousness and how images and objects change in value over time, the artist draws us into her world. So Sarah, to begin with, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Um, yeah, so my name is Sarah Swinar and I'm an artist. I work in photography and video and installation. And my background is originally as a graphic designer and I've been working as an artist for about 10 years now, but my work is informed by design and thinking about a history of design and kind of popular imagery. So how a kind of shared public archive of images affects the way we think of ourselves in the world. Right. And you're from Canada, but you're based in Brooklyn. Oh, yes. So I grew up in Canada, in Ottawa, um, and I was born in Vancouver. And I've lived in New York for 11 years now, and I'll probably never leave. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. In terms of your trajectory, I you started out at the New York Times magazine, right? Working as a graphic designer. Yeah, I worked there for three years, designing layouts and art directing photo shoots. But then you decided you wanted to become an artist, is that right? Did you attend Yale after that? Because you graduated from Yale in a, with an MFA in photography, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to be an artist. I mean, design was kind of a day job and... Finally, after three years at the Times, I just took a leap. I quit my job and I actually had to move back to Canada to try to get a new visa for a few months. And I made an art show in my parents' basement, actually. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Were you rifling through their drawers, finding things to work with or what kind of materials were you working with? Yeah, um, a lot of those photos kind of use discarded commercial objects and detritus or the things that we buy thinking we might need them and then just shove away in the corners of our houses. So I was using a lot of that kind of material from my parents' house and then also buying a lot of stuff at thrift stores and junk stores in my hometown and making these photos of floral arrangements and reworked nature photos and commercial still lifes and kind of reworking them with these types of things. And where does your fascination with images come from? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, I've always collected images. It took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do with them and why I felt drawn to particular images. I think that for me, they helped me understand the world. They helped me to understand kind of opaque politics and power structures that I feel are working around me but can't quite put my finger on. And I think there's something really satisfying about seeing how images repeat over time, seeing how images kind of communicate the same sort of latent messages over and over again and making these connections. To me, the most satisfying part of making art is kind of finding these connections across history, across time and across different levels of culture. And yeah, I just love looking at images. And I also think we live so much in a visual image-based world now that it becomes more and more important and there become there is more and more material to deal with every second of every day. Absolutely. And where do you tend to source your images? I think you spend quite a lot of time in public libraries, but then obviously there's the internet. And how do you archive them? Well, I used to really spend most of my time in public libraries looking through things like encyclopedias. And I would spend a lot of time, for example, in the New York Public Library's picture collection, which is this kind of giant archive of pictures categorized under different terms. Like um, there would be like a bubbles folder and um, an architecture folder and a crying folder, a walking folder. And there's all images of these different words that people have kind of idiosyncratically categorized according to what they think should fit in those folders. Uh Um, And all of these kind of source materials at first came from this fascination with a kind of modernist optimism that's conveyed through something like an encyclopedia and its kind of purpose to categorize the world or to organize the world into something that can be handed over to somebody else or that can be kind of a final version of the world through a certain set of images and ideas. And of course, we now know that that makes no sense um, Mm -hmm. and that that is usually quite a biased project. Um, So I've kind of moved past just looking at those things. Like at first I was trying to kind of show the bias and show the way that um, we are kind of stuck in ways of thinking that are informed by these types of materials and these types of categorizing impulses. But now I also bring in a lot of material from the internet and try to think about how that has kind of exploded notions of what's important, what's real, what's worth looking at. And now these kind of earlier versions seem almost quaint in comparison. Yeah, I can imagine. And tell us about your fascination with kitsch. Um, Yeah, I mean, I grew up as a teenage figure skater in Canada. So I think that, yeah, yeah, which is the most kitsch sport, I would say. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I still do it sometimes, actually. It's all about image, and but then you're also doing this incredibly difficult physical thing at the same time. So. I think that was my earliest introduction and figure skating is all about kind of... It all makes sense now. 
Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I saw an interview of you where you were talking about, this is much more intellectual, but Milan Kundera's vision of kitsch yeah. in the unbearable lightness of being and how there it takes on a more of an existential meaning or even something quite sinister. Yeah, I mean, I read that book when I was maybe 20 and it, it's kind of like slightly cheesy novel, but mm-hmm. that idea of kitsch is so amazing. And your first art project, uh, your kitsch encyclopedia, is there a connection with your Lady Dior bags to jump to why we're talking today? Do you see your Lady Dior bags as encyclopedias in any way? Yeah, I mean, I really loved the idea of portable encyclopedia or this like mini archive of images that was worked into the structure of the bag and the kind of classic quilted bag has a grid on it in a way so I was sort of fitting images into the existing grid of the bag and I wanted it to have a kind of quick history of imagery on it. Right so you've got these patches on the bags these images that you selected is that right can you tell us a bit more about what we can see on the bags and the images you chose yeah um so I was looking through various archives when I was working on it and I wanted it to have a sort of cross reference of the type of popular images that I mentioned like There are nature photographs, there are images from museum archives, there are stock photos, like nature photos, there are kind of studio portraits. And I was thinking about all the different types of images that might be in an encyclopedia and kind of creating a portrait of the world in one kind of confined set of pictures. So there are, for example, stock images of snakes and there are portraits of models posing. I was also looking at kind of other idealized commercial objects that were sort of like the bag and looking at how museum objects were photographed and these kind of photo documenting strategies that museums use. And yeah, I wanted the bag to also be a kind of still life or like it's kind of an image in itself that's made up of all these other snapshots of the world, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because what are some of the key themes in your own universe that are showing up here? Would it be things like you mentioned, like consumer culture? Can you pull out any key themes that are recurrent in your work? Yeah, one of the key themes is the way that consumer culture kind of uses the visual strategies of art and of historically valuable pictures, like things like an image of a Greek ruin or renaissance painting and how these same types of images come back again and again in different forms like Mm -hmm. we'll see a model now photographed with a similar lighting style or pose as a renaissance painting and we still are kind of repeating the same image over and over again or for example like a plastic cup will have similar design details to a roman column like that's something i a lot. That's a really specific and random example, but I'm trying to think about how commercial images kind of repeat other types of images and how there's a satisfaction in that. And also I'm really excited and that's part of why I was excited about this project about a kind of breakdown of hierarchies 
between the commercial and the kind of storied art image or between what was once considered in a realm of one type of culture and separate from another and kind of mashing these things together. So this bag, which is like this beautiful, high quality object, is made up of images from, you know, extremely priceless old paintings and also lower value commercial images that I find on stock sites or that I photograph myself of discarded objects. So I am also really drawn to commercial images in terms of democracy of them and the way that they bring all types of different materials together. And did you manipulate the images? Not really for this one. I mean, if we see the bag as a final image, then it's sort of a collage of sorts, but the individual images on it, like some of them I re-photographed objects on red or blue backgrounds to make them... Uh fit visually with the images that I just found. But mostly I was working with archival source materials and representing the pictures as they were and then mixing in my own still lifes. Okay. And did you use a kind of 3D printing technique on the lips? Yeah, well, that was um, something that the amazing people at Dior who were working on how to actually change the bag from the two-dimensional design file to its physical manifestation. They came to me with all these amazing ways to remake the individual images that I never would have thought of or known were even possible. So some of them are 3D printed, so they kind of have a dimensionality and they're coming off the bag. Others are sewn like these kind of classic, embroidered patches and others are these kind of flat leather images so it's a really satisfying mix of textures yeah I think there's a kind of bubbly effect on one of them is that right yeah so there's a red bag that has more just a kind of classic patch style and then it almost looks like Girl Scout patch or I don't know I guess you guys don't have Girl Scouts there but it looks like a kind of oh you do okay oh you do of course we do okay universal yeah yeah even in france even in france they call them scoot oh that's cute you have to say it with the french accent scoot scoot okay yes well i'm glad to hear that then it's a (laughs) universal reference um yeah but yeah so it looks like this kind of collection almost like I wanted it to feel like someone could have just saved all those patches and put them on or something themselves, although obviously that wouldn't happen. But And then the other one is maybe it's more of like a 90s reference, or at least that's where I go with it. And it has this kind of plastic bubble effect, and then the images are stuck into the bubbles, so they kind of move a little bit when you move the bag, which is nice. That's cool. Yeah, it almost is like a little museum display for each image or something like they feel like these mini vitrines or something Mm. and did you um approach the lady dior as a blank canvas or were you i don't know if you looked at any imagery linked to the house of dior for your research or were you thinking about any stories connected to the house well i was thinking about this kind of object that is you know that a lot of people recognize that it's kind of contains its own sort of value like you know it's an important or kind of high quality object when you see it and you can sort of recognize it from down the street and I wanted to use other images that were 
sort of iconic like the bag. Like there's a, there are some really classic modernist design chairs on the um, bag or mm-hmm. like a picture of a crown or an iconic phone design. Like there are other things that are sort of similar. So I was thinking about it in those terms. And then I just looked at other versions of how the bag had been made and what other people had done with it. But I wanted to think about it in its most simple, classic form. Like I wanted it to feel like it's the original bag and then other things have been kind of applied on top of it instead of totally transforming it, even though there are some amazing examples that other artists have done where it almost looks like a different object. And I was tempted to do something like that, but ultimately I wanted to keep it in its as a, the kind of original image of the bag. And when you open your Lady Deal bags, what do we see? Um, there's a picture of a cloud that I pulled from a stock website. And yeah, so it's kind of like an escape into the bag or um, you're looking down into it and then you might look up and see the same image. <laughs> or I thought there was a kind of like poetic idea there about the kind of escape through images that the bag could provide or looking into this other world that's inside. And can you talk to us about the importance of colour in your work? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about colour. That's another one of the kind of ways that I think importance or history gets conveyed through images and designed objects in ways that we don't think about, but that we sort of inherently understand or um, intuitively understand. Like if intuition is kind of your own personal experience mixed with a kind of history that you know, and then you're kind of moving through the world, operating on an intuition that's actually informed by history, then things like color actually have a lot of meaning, like how certain colors take us back to certain times, like mustard yellow, which one of the bags is a kind of mustard yellow, kind of takes you back to the 70s immediately and a kind of dusty red takes you back to a certain time period usually. And then these things get all mashed up. Like I think there's a lot of nostalgia in color palettes right now in contemporary design. I have some theories about what that's about, but or like neons might take you back to the 80s and there's all this kind of meaning behind certain colors. What about red? Yeah, I mean, red is the most powerful color. Um <laughs> I guess most people would agree. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's, I've read a lot about like the emotional reactions we have to certain colors and no one ever really explains it in a way that's that compelling. But I think red is just the most bam pop color. And so I use it a lot and I definitely knew I wanted one of the bags to be red. Also, I mean, there are funny things like that red art sells the best or that, you know, people really are just drawn to red in terms of commercial objects too. Thanks, Sarah. What's been your favorite part of this experience? Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. Um, I never pictured myself doing a project like this and it makes so much sense for all the themes of my work and for the kind of visual language of it. The best part, I think, has been seeing how the pictures could get reproduced and working with the team to kind of make these versions of my images and my work that I never could have produced on my own and never would have thought of. And then I think the other best part will be seeing it in the world. (laughs) I want to see how it 
fits with some person's personal style or how it looks, you know, against like the sidewalk or I think it'll be so exciting when I see it kind of moving through the world. Thank you for listening. To hear more of our rich exchanges with guest artists from the seventh edition of Dior Lady Art, visit the Dior Talks podcast series available on all platforms. Thank you.